Hey, welcome back, welcome back. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to continue our study in Genesis. Uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 29 this morning. Again, Genesis chapter 29. Um, anyone that needs a Bible, uh, anybody that needs a Bible. Let us read. To, let me read before us Genesis chapter twenty-nine, starting at verse one. Follow along me in the Word, um, and as we walk through this together. So let me start us off. Then Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. Well. Of that well, the flocks were watered. The stone in the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherd would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and the water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Verse 4, Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? Your favorite words have been right. Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And said, And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the Love stopped to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go. Pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. Verse 9. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother. Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban's, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and wept out loud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was here, her father's kinsman, that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him into the house. And Jacob told Laban all the things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone of my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. And Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you. And that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him 
but a few days because, because of the love he had for her. Um, Verse 21. Then Jacob sent to Laban, give me my wife. I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went in to her. Laban gave his female servant to Zippah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. In the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, for bringing us back again on this Lord's Day, Lord, to be with your people. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to uh, bless us with this word this morning. Encourage us in your word this morning. That we be enriched by your word here this day. And let us, Lord, not just see um, only marriage in this. Um, but, Lord, we can see so many things about your attributes in this, your faithfulness and your goodness. So, Lord, let us learn about your attributes. Let us learn about your goodness. Let us be drawn to you, Lord. And for all of us in our here, Lord, that our minds, Lord, are distracted, Lord, by many things right now. We're thinking about different heartaches or we're thinking about so many things, Lord, that's been bothering us through this week. Lord, we ask you to take those things, those thoughts away from us and let us meditate on your glory. Let us, Lord, see you exalted right now. Let this worship be about you, and let this preaching be about you. So I pray that, Lord, that all of the attention in this room, Lord, is given to you. That your name can be praised to the ends of the earth. So help me. Let me not distract your people, but let me point your people to your word and point them to you. So give me everything that's needed right now, Lord, to be faithful in your word. Build your servant up. Help your servant right now. Encourage your servant right now. Because your servant is weak. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Many things we can talk about this text, but one of the things that we have noticed, we have talked about so far, is that now Jacob is asking on the run from his brother Esau. A lot of stuff that took place, his mom, Rebecca, played a role in this. For them to cheat Esau out of this blessing, and out of this birthright. Now, Jacob is on the run. And now, Jacob now having to go to his kinsmen to find a wife by himself. We don't see here the assistance that Jacob got when he got to here to Haran. It's like Jacob is doing everything in, by himself. And we're going to learn in this text today is that by him going for it by himself, is that he's going to make a lot of trivial bad decisions along the way. So Rebecca, her influencing her son to deceive the brother plays a role into this. That had me thinking here, that's why I was preparing for this message, is about how have history shown how others have affected others along the way. I can mention so many things about systemic racism. I can mention so many things about it and a lot of things that, for example, blacks have done and a lot of things that we are held responsible for. You know, for example, if there's a lot of job opportunities available, 
and someone don't want to put an application in, that's not racism. If someone doesn't want to go in and put an application in at a certain job. And so and there's a lot, a lot of things that can happen that is not racism. But we can truly say, though, is that it has been things that has affected and still affect us today. For a prime example. And like I said, a lot of these things, we can point out things on how a person probably can be held responsible. Yes, they can. But also, let's also see on the other side of this how people are affected. For example, they had one blog actually posted, I think they posted over 64 examples of how racism still affects today. For example, 65% of black children live in a single-parent home compared to 24% of white children. Another example, black preschoolers are 3.6 times more likely to be suspended than a white preschooler. That's a lot of things you can underline that. We can talk about that. Predominantly black school districts receive far less financial funding than white school districts. And keep going on. Black Americans with college degrees are twice as likely to be unemployed. Another thing here, black Americans with white names receive 50% more callbacks from a job applications than others. Another one, the median wealth of black college graduates is $23,400 versus to white is $180,500. $23,000 compared to $180,000. Another one says that white researchers are twice as likely to win research grants than black researchers. Another one said 27% of black Americans live in poverty compared to 9.9% of whites. What about home ownership? Black Americans represent 40% of homeless population despite only being 13% of the general population. Again, black Americans represent 40% of the homeless population despite only being 30% of the general population. Let me name a couple more here. We can, I can stop. You guys can kind of get the point here. Black Americans in urban and suburban areas must travel further to find grocery stores and fresh food, making it more difficult to maintain a healthy diet. We can see here in Bond Bluff. How many healthy eating places do we have? Black Americans are over two times more likely to be food insecure, meaning they have limited or uncertain access to adequate foods. Black children are 2.2 times more likely to be exposed to lead before being born, largely in part to lead exposure to black American women. And the last one is that black Americans are twice as likely to die in infancy. And one problem example is maternity. And Kale and Alina, I know they can speak upon this. Um, cesarean weight rate, percentage. Black or more likely, black women are more likely to get cesarean. Is it cesarean, Kale? Cesarean more than whites. And so um, just the disproportionate side of it. Yes, we can talk about, yes, how we have failed in ourselves in so many different areas. But we cannot actually deny the fact that things are still happening today that are still affecting our community. Things that have happened in the past are still affecting. And we can talk about the wealth, like some talk about the wealth gap. Is that how 
blacks are told to actually, after, even after slavery, for them to actually to go out and make a living now. Not given the proper resources to be able to come in, to be able to be on an equal playing field. And now this playing game is still affecting today. So family, we can see the sin of others can still have an effect on generations down the road. And we also see it in our test today. The sin of Rebecca is going to have an influence down the road. It, it just didn't affect Rebecca and Isaac. Now it's going to affect the relationship with Laban and also Jacob. With that being said, let's jump right in and see what I'm talking about here today. We're going to do it in three points today. We're going to find out that Jacob meets Rachel and Laban. Then point number two, we're going to find out Jacob meets Leah. And we're going to find out about this marriage in verses 20 through 30. Check out point number one. Jacob meets Rachel and Laban. Again, Jacob has been sent by Rebekah and Isaac to find a wife from their kindred. Jacob is on this journey without his father. He doesn't have his mother with him. He doesn't have a servant, it tells us. It doesn't tell us about a servant that's with him. He has to do all these things by himself. How would he do today? So just imagining the anticipation that's going through Jacob's mind. The fear that's going through his mind. That he have to kind of make all these things happen by himself. He could possibly wonder if, if he actually would make it to Padama Run. Will there ever be a wife for him? Well, many other things you could be worrying about right here. So, family, it could be so many unknowns about what Jacob is thinking through about his future. And many of us in this room right now probably can relate to this. Where would I be working at in the future? How can I care for my family properly? How is life going to be for me? In the future. Many of us have so many different concerns about what can happen. And so Jacob is probably just like one of us in this room. He's just fearful like what tomorrow may bring. He's fearful. So regardless of not knowing if Jacob had similar questions or similar concerns that we have. But we do know that the Lord has already promised to care for him. And we know that too in this room. Right? We all know that God is going to care for us. We know all the cheesy things. God's never going to leave us, forsake us. He's going to be there for us. He's going to guide us. He's going to do all these things. But we still have those questions, don't we? I think the same thing for Jacob. Think about last week again. Jacob is weary. On his way to Haran, the Lord stopped him there in Luz, which eventually turns as Bethel. He stopped him there, and he saw these angels coming down in a dream back and forth. And, and the Lord told him that, hey, the, the promise is given to you, that you're going to be a mighty nation. I'm going to bring you back into this place. The Lord had told him that I won't leave you. I'm going to bring you back. And he told us the same thing happening. So, family, we know the same thing. How God has cared for Jacob, God cares for us. We don't have to know where we're going to be working at tomorrow. We don't have to worry about where we're going to be living at tomorrow. We have to worry about in the sense of if family is going to be there for me tomorrow. We don't have to sense of have that worry in mind because we know God is faithful. No matter what tomorrow may bring, tomorrow is not stronger and not bigger than our God. 
So what we can do, we can rest. We can rest in the fact that tomorrow is in his hands. Amen. We can trust that. We can believe that. And then Jacob right here is not knowing these certain things. And for him, it's weary and afraid of what's happening here. Family, we don't have to do the same. We can know that God holds tomorrow. Just like an athlete. We got so many athletes in this room. So like an athlete, the, the intimidation. When they see that opponent coming at them. That intimidation that he's taller, she's taller, she's stronger, she's faster. And just the fear that comes in about, there's no way that I can beat this person. No way. I don't know about the spade games. I don't know who on teams. I don't know if you guys got somebody across the table that's intimidation that you guys are scared that you can't beat them. I don't know who in the room is it's the leader in spades in here. But for the most part, though, is that it is a such thing, though, is that at time people have had intimidation for so many different things. And so an athlete and a coach, a coach will tell the athlete, focus. You remember the training. You remember the footwork we put in. You remember we worked on timing. You remember we worked on this. Stick with it. We knew who we was going to play against. I knew you didn't see a picture of them, but we talked about who you're going to play against. This is how we're going to play the game. A lot of times, we forget what the coach says because of the fear and because of the termination. All the things are thrown our way. We forget what the coach's words were. And I think as the Christian life, God has given us his playbook, right? He has told us how this life is going to be. The world is going to hate you. The, 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 the word is going to be against you. That all of these things is going to happen to you. But remember this one fact, though, is that I will truly be with you. Stick with it. Be faithful to me. Trust me in the midst of it. Family, let's not just be words. Oh, listen to these words this morning. Let this not be words. Brace these words this morning, family. Majority of our problems in this room today because we have heard these things, but we don't believe them. Hmm. Family, are we just here on a Sunday morning? Just to check it off the list. Are we just here just to be here? But family, remember these words that our God is faithful to us. When everything around us falls through, our God is faithful. We can stick to his plan. We can stick to his promises. We can, we can be grounded in him. Family, listen to these words this morning. Family, I'm afraid that a lot of these good truths we're hearing have became just cliches to us. I mean, a lot of these good words we are hearing have become cliches to us. Family and brothers and sisters in Christ, do we believe that God is faithful? If we believe he's faithful, family, we know he would bring us through. So what happened here in this text? The Lord told Jacob that he would make him, he would bring him to this land, back to this land. And look what happened in, verse, in the first verse we hear today. That Jacob, then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east, which is Haram. He has came into this place. So again, God told him in the last chapter that God's going to bring him there. Brother, you don't have to be afraid. And God took him there and Esau didn't kill him. Family, do you believe that God is faithful? Amen. So family. Whatever God has said he's going to do for us, he's going to do it. 
Haran was this same place Abraham family stayed in. When they left the, the land of um, Babylon and he came over to Haran first, and a lot of the family stayed to Haran, but Abraham went on down to Israel, which is known as Canaan, to the land that God had promised him. And so now Jacob has made it to the land of his kindred. And now Jacob's about to meet eventually his family and eventually find a wife. And how does the Lord do it? The similar thing here. I know some of y'all in Rod Day, I know with PJs for y'all when y'all find wives and everything. And, and sisters, when y'all find PJs or cats, uh, y'all don't know about cats. Rod know what cats is. You know what cats is? Yes, sir. There you go. So, uh, but the place, the meeting spot in this day where everybody meet up to find their husband or find their wife, it would be at a, at a well. At the well. Look at verse 2. As he looked, he saw the well, well in the field. Behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. Again, it was a common place for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to go and find wells. Wells were a place where you could find this fresh water. So it was a meeting spot for everyone in the community to, to meet up to, better, to get flock, to, to water your flock, for your family, for wherever you need to get water, you would go to the well to find it. Uh, my family, uh, my dad, when he was younger, when our, we had some land down in the country, um, my dad told me stories and how they would, in the morning, they would go down to the land and actually they had a well there. They'd go down there and get a, a, a bucket, they'd scoop water up and they'd bring it to the house and that's what they would survive on. And I asked him about the well. He said it wasn't up kept. So what happened, it finally fell in. So it's still there, but you have to go dig it up and try to find it. But here, the well was still there. And it was actually kept, and it was guarded. It was in good shape. Look in verses, in verse 2 and verse 3. The stone in the well mouth was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherd would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. So the well was covered up various reasons. First of all, you don't want everybody to know where the well was at. Because guess what? If somebody knew there's another kingdom knew where the well was at, they can come in and fight you and take over the land just for the water. That's how important water was valuable at this time. Another thing about well is that, again, you can have branches and branches and sticks and things that fall in the well. And so it's many different reasons why they would cover the actual well up. And they said it was a a, a, a large stone here. That makes sense. You want to have a large stone and anybody just can come in here and move it. And also you want to kind of hide it as well. So at the well, uh, Jacob asks some people that they're, do they know a guy named Laban? Laban is Rebecca's brother. And the person that Jacob was talking to said this, we know him. And Jacob asks, is it well with him? They say, it is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. In a few moments, we're going to see Rachel's going to appear here um, before, before this well with the father's sheep. And it also says she's a shepherdess. And so this is another picture is that people are talking about like this misogynist movement, how the Bible plays downplay women working. 
Um, she's doing what normally we see shepherds do, men do. She's leading the sheep over here to the well. And so she's actually doing these things for her father. So women were shepherdess. So any ladies in here that think about doing, going into livestock and everything that they will have downplayed livestock, we have sisters right here that dealt with livestock. So um, the Bible has always upheld and appreciated women. So that's not true. But one thing we find out too, though, is that, that Rachel's on the way, and the God said that you cannot remove this stone until everyone gets here in a ton of water together. So Jacob wanted to go ahead and water them. They said, no, you have to wait until everyone gets here. And what happened is that when Jacob is overwhelmed, when he sees Rachel here, Jacob forget everything this man said. Jacob goes in and moves the stone. He didn't wait on everybody. I don't know if she was the last one or whatever, but it doesn't tell us. It tells us that when Rachel appeared, that Jacob removed the stone. And he removes the stone, and he comes in, and he's so excited here. He has heard so much about them, but now he finally meets them. Jacob told Rachel that he was her father kinsman, and that he was Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. So the word gets back now to Laban. So Laban runs to meet him, to embrace him, and he cried. He cried, and Jacob cried and kissed Rachel. He cried, and now he kissed Jacob. Verse 14, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Jacob moves in with Laban for a month. So here we point here. See, we see here in point one. Now Jacob meets Laban. He meets Rebekah. God is faithful for him to meet his kindred. And a lot, a lot of time we, you know, we kind of skip over this. But the Lord truly provided for him in this moment. Anything could have happened to him. And he meets the kindred that he was told to meet. But not only that, that's the point number two. Jacob now is going to meet Leah. After Jacob meets Laban and Rachel, now he's about to meet Leah. After Jacob been at Laban's crib for about a month, now Laban is like, Nephew, I can't let you be around his house to stay around here for free. I mean, brother, you, you doing all this stuff around the house? Or you mean, you've been kind to us? Can we do something for you? Can I do something for you, Jacob? I said for free. I, I was turning around. But for Jacob, he's being there. And so Laban is like, what can I do for you? And he asked him, he said, he asked Jacob that. What can I do for you, Jacob? You've been around for a month now. So this is the perfect question right for Jacob, isn't it? The perfect question. If he's there to marry someone, that's the perfect question the father asks, you know, asks his nephew. So I'm pretty sure at this moment, this is the time when um, Jacob would pretty be like, pretty much like, man, this is not going to be hard at all. The father has set me up to Ask me this question, what do I want? And we find out too that Jacob loved Rachel and the youngest daughter, Laban. But Leah wasn't as, as nice as her parents. So what did Jacob want in this? Jacob wanted to marry his daughter. Jacob wanted to marry his daughter. So Jacob was willing to do whatever for Rachel. 
So Jacob asked this question, what do you want, Jacob? Jacob said, I will work for Rachel for seven years. And Laban goes on to say in verse 19, Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man staying with me. So this is one of those instances that people are doing things out of compulsion. You know, um, Laban at this time, he don't really want to give Rachel to him. But he said, ask anything, right? What you want? And so now 